it's almost just kind of one of those diseases where it's a little bit unfair in the sense that how how easy it is to overcome it if you detect it early detect it enough. Early. Yeah. Uh, early enough. Right. And that's the scary thing is because like someone we've had women that they they have a slow growing tumor, takes them a while, they know something's wrong, but they're scared of the hospital, they don't have the money, whatever. Right. And they're like, Oh man, what is this thing? And they feel it getting bigger and bigger. We've got women coming and they have like softball sized tumors. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And now and even still it could be they got a chance because they can just do a uh, you know surgical procedure and yeah. remove that and right. get them, you know get them good to go. We are here with Kevin Hale, the president of the National Breast Cancer Foundation. Kevin, what's going on, man? Glad to hey, have you. What's up, man? That was real. Like honestly, Kevin, that was one of the weakest introductions I've ever <laughs> that we've ever done. Well, I, and I, I like apologize to come for that. London Bridge by Fergie. You know, yeah. the siren in the beginning. Dude, we I tried to make an entrance yeah. in the morning with my family. We should have had a walk out. Yeah, we should have had yeah, a walk out. Walk out a walk up song. Something yeah. like Some dry ice in the corner. Yeah, something. Some <laughs> smoke. I mean, a little laser. <laughs> So we're glad to have Kevin here. And the reason we want to have him on, obviously, with uh, October coming up being National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, yeah. uh, this is something that's on a lot of our minds. A lot of us have been personally affected. Yeah. Not personally, but had family members personally affected. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a relevant topic, and we just want to get and understand more about what you guys are doing at the foundation and uh, just open people's eyes and make people aware that how we yeah. can get involved and, and hopefully come up with a solution uh, to end this horrible, you know, yeah. horrible cancer. So we sure do appreciate you coming on, man. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. so let's start with you personally, just a quick background. Typically, you know, in our interview episodes on Sundays, we really dive into somebody's background. This is more of a round table, just an open discussion. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to dive into my dark <laughs> <and see laughs> That's exactly right. So, but we do want to understand how you came to be, how, how you know, National yeah. Breast Cancer Foundation came to be, how you found the, found the foundation. So start, start yeah. with you personally. What, what's your background? Where did you come from? How did you get involved? Well, so I am presently 44, which is hard to believe, um, you know, Wait a minute. Why is yeah. it hard to believe? Because, you know, time moves fast. Because I started thinking back to when this uh, thing started, and I was right. a teenager. Oh, wow. So you well, you don't look 44, man. You look Thanks, great. Thanks, man. Appreciate yeah. it. You look, yeah. you look 43. That's good. <laughs> All right. Not a day over 43 and a half. Uh, 30 years we're celebrating now. So 1991 Amazing. is when NBC was founded. Uh, my family started it. And the reason they started it is because my mom was a, bre- uh, was a breast cancer survivor. At, the, at that time... So she was diagnosed in 1981. Mm-hmm. So in 1991 is when my parents decided to start NBCF. Mm. And you have to think about that window of time that was prior to the internet. Mm-hmm. So when she had breast cancer, it was very much like you would go to your hospital, you get diagnosed by a doctor, and they would work up a, a treatment plan, and you just sort of accepted that. Right. That was what people did. It was mm-hmm. whatever the doctor told them to do. There wasn't the research that you can do. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, anytime, you know, you stub your toe and you're like, yeah. looking Google up it. on WebMD, <laughs> right. you got cancer, yeah. toe cancer, right? Yep. right. Um, so back then, no, you couldn't get any information. So there may be sometimes today there's almost too much information to be information overload, which right. is a lot of what we do, by the way, to help people figure out where to go. But 
when that was happening back in the early 80s and people were siloed away from each other, um, her experience was that she just did not have support. Mm -hmm. She didn't have information, and she felt like maybe there were some things that could have done different. So when she uh, had her... um, when she had her uh, uh, treatment for her breast cancer, it was really uh, coming out of the back end of that was this feeling that she had that I need to do something about this to to help other people Mm -hmm. because God's grace, I made it through Mm -hmm. this. And it kind of put this spark in her to help other people out. And so she just volunteered and did other things at the hospitals for a while worked with American Cancer Society Mm -hmm. uh, and the Reach Recovery Program for a few years. And it was really uh, just, as as she said, it was, it really came from prayer and uh, kind of God put this burden on her heart uh, that you need to do something about this. Mm -hmm. I want you to start something, start an Mm -hmm. organization. So they did some research and it just took a long time. Once that kind of that seed was planted in her heart, it was, you know, 10 years of, doing research, building it up, figuring out, like, okay, do we really want to do this? Mm. And they got some great consulting, and then they started the foundation. And as anything, when you start something, it usually does start at your kitchen table, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. it doesn't start out being you're at a world headquarters <laughs> right? all this, yeah. right? Yep. It starts with you laying in bed, thinking about it at 2 in the morning, or you're in the shower, or you're drinking a cup of coffee on top of a mountain, and you have an idea, and then you got to go tell someone that idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that's the scariest moment. That's where more dreams die than anything. You tell that first person your idea. And, and you just got to hope that they're the kind of person that is supportive and doesn't just come in. Yeah. Unless it's a bad idea in yeah. which appreciate yeah. somebody Thank cut you. you down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. a lot of dreams are killed. So, so that's what happened. They, uh, they, uh, they, they sat my brother and I down. And I would think oh, it was like old 13, were you at the time? 13, 13 maybe, okay. from yeah. a son's age now. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said, we're starting a foundation. And I said, what's that? I don't mm-hmm. know anything at that point. And all I knew is I was about to do a lot of work. I just felt like <laughs> right. I was going to be doing work somehow. Yeah. So we were licking envelopes and doing all that mm-hmm. stuff for years, my, my older brother and I. And uh, But we watched the foundation grow up, and, and uh, I went and got a finance degree, became an auditor, you know, really pursued that, had a young wife, baby, mm-hmm. two-year-old baby, and the foundation had really taken off for about um, 10 years or so, mm-hmm. yeah, 10, 10, 14 years it had been going. Uh, I think it was like mid-2000s, and, and my parents approached me, and they said, hey, foundation's really getting, like, just on the cusp of blowing up. We need help. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, well, let, let's do it. And so we... I started work there back in 2005 in NBCF and haven't looked back since. So what were you doing before you got the call, before you decided? I was a, well, I had been in finance, Mm -hmm. so I worked at Interstate Batteries for a while, Mm -hmm. which is a great company, Mm -hmm. Norm Miller. Um, And uh, then I'd been out in California. I was a business coach, Mm -hmm. and I loved that. Had a great time doing that, but um, when they asked me to come do this, I was was like, well, okay, you know, it, it we wanted to come back to Texas, so we had been wanting to come back, and that was a nice right. incentive to come mm-hmm. back. And so mm-hmm. I said, okay. And the funny thing is I was thinking I can't work with my family, even though I love them. <laughs> right. You know, right. how many of us can, like, get along yes. with family, right? Seriously. Like, you yes. love them at Christmas and all yeah. that. But anyway, yeah. I love my family. And, uh, but, you know, it, it was it was a little bit of a little bit of a shock, you know, at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, just 
going, wait a second, you know, like we're, we would argue about things and, uh-huh. and all, but we figured out how to, I don't know, you, you figure out your lanes, you figure out how to balance professionalism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and in the end, what we, we started realizing is we really did respect each other a lot. Mm-hmm. Like we really got along great. Yeah, so right. we, we did that for many. So years. let's let's go back on this because your mother basically started this through prayer, just through prayer yeah. and understanding that she wanted to. This is where her passion lay. This is a startup. It's basically a startup. She yeah. is she doing this with your father involved? Oh yeah. At the time? Okay. So where when you do a startup or when you start the, any mm-hmm. type of business or a charity foundation or whatnot. There's so many moving pieces. Yeah. Was she working at the time when she started this or was she, was this the only thing that was on the plate for her? See, that's, that's a great thing. And, and one of the conversations I have with her pretty often about this over the years I've had this conversation is she did not have a college degree. Mm. So mm. she had married my dad when she was 19. And I mean, they got married, you know, early. And uh, so she did not finish her degree. She always felt bad about that, Mm -hmm. felt undervalued and just kind of like, oh, man, I don't have a right to say anything. So she really never – she just started raising kids. She raised three of us. Right. And so she was heading into her 40s, and she was actually 34 when she was diagnosed. And so it was – it was started the MBCF, uh, I think it was, I guess, when she was like 46 or something, if if I'm remembering right. And at that window of time, you know, she's got at this point like teenage kids. I'm the last one's 13. Mm-hmm. So she's looking at her future, going, do I have time to do this? And am I qualified? I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. A lot of self-doubt. Oh and my, my dad was so encouraging because he had been just great in business. Right. And he really just kept pushing her, saying, you can do this, That's you can awesome. do it. Yeah. And, uh, and he was right there to, to, you know, to consult, to open doors, whatever. But it was really a, a labor of love for her. And what is so wonderful is that she ended up becoming so educated Mm -hmm. um, and she really just self-educated. She started even like there was this computer center down the way. I can't remember the name of it now, but they had like an unlimited uh, learning pass Mm -hmm. and you could learn. So Microsoft, you know, uh, like basically Microsoft Office, Excel, Word, all that kind of stuff. And she took so many classes that she they basically said you need to be an instructor now oh wow because you're so good at this because uh-huh. so, she just saturated herself for months she was mm. like certified in every way that you can be certified mm. so she just flew on a computer at that mm. point yeah right so it's really cool to go from being a stay-at-home mom with no cause degree to to being the ceo of an organization watching that just you know, right man. hey yeah. man there's no denying passion like that's that, right. honestly yeah. like, and, that, and that speaks to you know not only for her to start the foundation but how many people that are that are out there that have actually tried to go through this process? Because I know a lot of oh, people yeah. that, that said, well, you know what? I'm going to start my own foundation. Well, first road bump, up, oh, done. Yeah. Go get a job and go do something else. So then it's not truly your passion. Yeah. Your passion, you're going to be willing to take that extra step to say, hey, look, I need to make a difference yeah. and make yeah. a change. And I'm doing this not for just self, but for so many other people. So I applaud right. your mother yeah. for Well, she was for, personally yeah. connected, right? She was, she was oh, yeah. personally affected yeah. by the, the cancer she was wanting to help people through. And you, and you mentioned right. there was no support system. And the other thing about startups is when you're on a mission, when you have a mission in your mind, you're going to do anything it takes to, to make it work. Yeah, and so right. it sounds like that's how she was. So what was the original mission for her? Was it clearly, I mean, was it literally just for support? Was it for research? What was the original mission of the, of the foundation? I, I mean, you know, what's funny about it is really it was just helping 
I would say that word, giving hope to people and helping them. Mm-hmm. And we still say that, you know, that, uh, that, you know, there's several things that, but no one should go through breast cancer alone. It's right. really our, uh, you know, power statement. Mm-hmm. Um, we had that on the wall, you know, as our vision. And, uh, but and so from the beginning, it was a lot of, it was like, where is the help needed? You know, I know what I personally went through, but it's right. a lot of education. You got to get in. You know, I, I'm always, like, telling young people this. We do a high school intern program and, at NBCF and um, talk to a lot of college students and stuff. And I'm always saying to them, like, don't come to the market with an idea unless you're solving a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. what is the problem? Like, it's not done well enough. That's fine. That's actually a solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, in a lot of cases, there truly is a need for something that no one else is doing it solving that problem. Yeah. And so, you know, for us, it was early on, I think, instinctively, my parents said, what, where is the need? Mm -hmm. And we're going to follow the need. And so we very quickly found out, even though it was about connecting people and helping people out, you know, initially with support services and education, you know, Mm -hmm. um, they started finding out that uh, there was this gap of funding for women that couldn't afford mammograms. Mm -hmm. And so they were kind of in between, they were like working, but they didn't have good insurance or they didn't have insurance. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they couldn't really get, you know, government support, but also they didn't have the cash to pay for a mammogram and to trigger something, you know, to start the whole like diagnosis process. So diagnostic process. So uh, we worked with, uh, we ended up getting a, a donation from, um, a medical uh, technology company, and it was five thousand dollars. And they applied; they they were kind of researching where where could we use this money, and they went to a hospital in Beeville, Texas, mm-hmm. which is I don't think I could point that out on a map right now. So <laughs> right. sorry if any of you from Beeville, <laughs> yeah. Texas, but um, but for whatever reason they they selected Beeville, Texas. They end up working with the city. They work with uh, church there and the hospital, and they kind of figured out how to educate people and say, hey, we, we're, we're starting this basically program mm-hmm. to motivate people to get mammograms because early detection saves mm-hmm. lives. Right. Mm-hmm. And the uh, so when they got the, we gave them the grant, and then they basically worked with the church to communicate to everyone, hey, please come get your mammogram, and kind of built a little bit of a, like, alliance of different people, mm-hmm. and they would use the, the money that we had to fund those treatment or sorry fund those uh services so right. so when it first started was you know back in the nine early 90s late 80s mm-hmm. what was breast cancer something that it was basically you had to be wealthy to get to detect it early because you said early detection is is yeah. key was it something to where if you didn't have proper health care you probably weren't catching it until it way to too do late with the the lateness of you mm-hmm. know really like staging of breast mm-hmm. cancer mm-hmm. if it becomes you've heard of the term metastatic Yes. The metastasizes, yeah. that's when cancer cells spread out from their origin, wherever they are. So if, if a woman has um, a, you know, cancer, some cancer cells in her breast, then the concern that we have is that it hits the lymph system, which is like the highway of the body, mm-hmm. and spreads. then it spreads around. Right. So even though you may have cancer, end up having cancer in your brain, mm-hmm. If it or originates in the breast, it's called breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And so early on, before it metastasizes, when it's non-invasive, or if you can catch it before it really uh, hits the lymph system, mm-hmm. um, and, and then you have a great shot. At sur- I mean, 
even even we're getting better and better with that on staging. Mm-hmm. We're even with stage four cancer, which is metastatic cancer. Ter- you know, a lot of times people call it like terminal cancer. Right. Um, the opportunity to extend your life, the opportunity to to, uh, to go into remission is phenomenal. And, right. um, but especially early on, it's almost just kind of one of those diseases where it's a little bit unfair in the sense that how how easy it is to overcome it if you detect it early detect it enough. Early, yeah. uh, early enough. Right. And that's the scary thing is because like someone, we've had women that they, they have a slow growing tumor, takes them a while. They know something's wrong, but they're scared of the hospital. They don't have the money, whatever. Right. And they're like, oh man, what is this thing? And they feel like getting bigger and bigger. We've had women come in, they have like softball sized tumors. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And now, and even still it could be, they got a chance cause they can just, do a uh, you know surgical procedure and yeah. remove that and right. get them, you know get them good to go. So I went through. Well, I was young at the time, but my mother and in, in early my grandmother in the early seventies lost her life to yeah. uh, breast cancer. But she actually lost first breast early on uh, uh, in the battle. Uh, lived through that for a number of years, and I know technology and the healthcare system was totally different there, and medicine was totally different, yeah. but. It it was a, just a number about four or five years later where it metastasized in the other breast. Yeah, yeah. And then and then took her life. So but was yeah. that for her? Sorry, not to go down the route, but just making people aware. Was it just something she just ignored? Is that is that what happened? You, you know, think? I, I don't I don't know. Mm. I, I have no idea. Yeah. I, mean, I was so I was so young at the time. But my mother, I know what the awareness that it brought. Mm-hmm. through my mother mm-hmm. my sister mm-hmm. i mean anytime they've you know they're it's my mother would, would tell my sister hey anytime you every time you're in the shower yeah. you check yeah like it, it's gotten to uh-huh. that it had gotten to that point so how are you guys in front of this and, and give us some numbers you know what are the what are the numbers stats look like as far as breast cancer is concerned well, uh, first of all, one of the best stats is that there's over 2 million survivors right now oh, actively, yeah. which is great. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, uh, there's about 250,000 uh, diagnoses a year, mm-hmm. uh, new wow. diagnoses a year, and about forty to 50,000 uh, deaths a year mm-hmm. um, from breast cancer. So, you know, first of all, I'm not as worried about the diagnosis number mm-hmm. as I am the mortality rate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, it's like what we were just talking about. Um, if you can if you detect it early, early enough, right. then uh, a lot of times it's just what's called a lumpectomy. Mm-hmm. You know, they just go in, they remove it. You don't have to do radiation. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do chemotherapy, which that's really life altering kind of stuff. Right. God bless it though, man. We uh, chemo as much as people hate it. And as, as, hard as it is yeah. it's like carpet bombing your body mm-hmm. it's just a, it saves lives you know it's still mm-hmm. it's still mm-hmm. and, we're, and we're working so hard to find things that are more personalized treatment mm-hmm. so that people don't have to go through that but i'll tell you you know getting getting ahead of this early enough um and and having a plan you know and seeing your doctor annually and i think knowing that's one of the things that, that we're heading towards is having more more of us um, genetically, like a lot of genetic testing and mm-hmm. things like that, mm-hmm. it's to get ahead of it and see, like, what is my personal profile? What's my risk assessment? Right. So there are risk calculators out there. You know, NCI, National Cancer Institute, has a, a great tool for that. But 
it really comes back down to, do you have family history? Mm-hmm. How old are you? You know, that kind of thing. And so you start to see the numbers and really over 40 is where you start to really see um, an increase. But we, on the other hand, um, even though it really affects women over 50, mm-hmm. it affects a lot of women under 40. Mm-hmm. And the, like my mom, you know, and again, so that's why we have a real passion for younger, for everyone starting to be aware of it mm-hmm. and paying attention. And I would say, especially if you have sisters, a mom, a grandmother, someone who has um, the genetic markers right. for mm-hmm. it called mm-hmm. BRCA1 and BRCA2, we call BRCA1, BRCA2. If you have these genetic markers, um, then you should know about it. You need to know about it. Mm-hmm. And that way you can get ahead and start really paying attention to it. So, you know, it's all these are just tools that we're trying to add to the toolbox. Yeah, right? Right. Right. Get mm. a leg up on it. So is, is that, forgive the ignorant question, is that the leading cause is genetics? I mean, what, what tends to be the main factor? Yeah, is there environmental issues that contribute? Oh, you know, that's, that's the subject of a lot of research and, the need for more research mm-hmm. is it predominantly yes is genetic mm-hmm. um environmental is is harder to pin down yeah um it, is the environment interacting with your genetics and um that frankly a lot of nutrition and environment related uh investigation or research um causes people to get panicked and worried mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. a lot of um, you see this happen a lot where people go down rabbit trails and they're like, oh, I ate this, um, mm-hmm. a berry from Whole Foods, right. so I don't need to have chemo now. Right. right. And yeah. there's, I'm making light of it, but there's some really sad stories about people that had a very treatable form of cancer and they, they kind of got off into a, a deeply holistic path. And what we always say is do both, you know, mm-hmm. like merge the two, have a right. healthy lifestyle. There's so much to what you eat, how you treat yourself, but even so much in the mind, um, you know, positivity and encouragement, the spiritual component of it is significant for mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in the survival rate, because if you give up, you can see it. We've had doctors that have said, you know, so many oncologists have said that, that you can just see when the lights go out for someone when they're like, yeah. I don't care anymore, mm-hmm. yeah. then, then their body will follow on that. Yeah. And you, mm-hmm. can, you can literally give up to cancer yeah. and uh, your body will follow. So I would just say this to say that don't hang your hat on any one particular thing. Right. You know, work with doctors, you know, find a good doctor, family doctor, whatever, that has a, a, a good, healthy perspective about that blend of healthy lifestyle and they're not just throwing pharma stuff at you, mm-hmm. you know, here's yeah. a bunch of pills. Um, right. But on the flip side that if you need to step it up and do procedures, yeah. they're yeah. not like, Oh, just sleep it off. You'll be fine. And then, so I, I think what you're saying and, and what I'm hearing is obviously you don't want people to go through life living in fear. Yeah. Uh, you don't want them always worried about, okay, Hey, in, you know, checking right. every time you take a shower and not saying that's living, that's great. But like when it consumes you, yeah. but at the same time, the key to beating this disease is to get early detection and whether right. it's genetic markers, whether it's, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, early uh, diagnostics from blood work, understand if you have the markers, mm-hmm. lifestyle, all those things um, that, that you can do to give yourself the best chance yeah. early on. Yeah. Um, but 
National Breast Cancer Foundation, y'all typically step in. Yes, like supporting all the the preventative stuff. Yeah, and there's yeah. and there's some really cool things. Darren and I actually mm-hmm. just went through yeah. one recently. It's called a it's called a Grail test. I don't know if you're familiar right. with this, yeah. uh, but it tests for all 53 known types of cancer. And mm-hmm. then and then your your um, your uh, I don't know likelihood of that based on on your blood work yeah um so it's it's a really cool test it's Um, knowledge it's it's Mm -hmm. and just kind of know where you're at right it's like okay hey i'm predisposed to these couple types of cancer and it's a whole report so it's great so that's that's early but national breast cancer foundation y'all step in after the diagnosis for the most part and and yes like i said you support the beginning stuff from the research and all that but man where the magic happens and and the things that y'all do to make uh, these warriors um, feel yeah. loved, feel comfortable, uh, feel part of yeah. a community, and then have the resources. So, so talk through what it what it looks like from from y'all's perspective. From the second mm-hmm. a, um, a patient, a, a, you know, like yeah. I said, a warrior diagnosed. is diagnosed, and then what yeah. that process looks like from a support from National Breast Cancer Foundation. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying this conversation with Kevin Hale and hopefully thinking of ways that you can get involved with National Breast Cancer Foundation. Want to take a quick break and thank our sponsor, as always, Choctaw Casino and Resort, who makes these episodes possible. We mentioned it a few days ago. We were up there last week uh, and saw the brand new expansion for the first time in person, and it was unreal. We had a great time. Uh, Tyler and I and our wives actually spent the night on Friday night there, um, got to check out the new rooms, the new expansion. Uh, guys, you have to get yourself up there. Even if you're not even into that into uh, gambling and uh, playing those type of games, there's so much else to do up there. Restaurants, the pool, the new hotel. It is a great time for anybody. So get yourself up there. Uh, also, they've been doing giveaways every Saturday all fall. And that continues here coming up in October. So every single October, um, starting on the 23rd, they are giving away uh, a grand total of $1.5 million in Moonlight Millions, they call it. So you can play with your rewards card. Um, but all that to say, get yourself up to, up to Choctaw Casino Resort and uh, have yourself a great time. Now back to the episode. Yeah, so... Put yourself in the position, you know, your grandmother, right. for instance, it's, it's awful to think about this, but, um, you know, she at one point was sitting in the doctor's office and was given the bad news. Mm-hmm. Pro- probably maybe she got it right. over the phone, but more than likely they, she'd been worried. They did a test and they said, I'm really sorry, but you know, here's, here's your diagnosis. You have cancer. And, uh, at that point, your head is just, What? Because yeah. immediately people can go really dark, as understandably, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, right. I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. And even if you hear, it's like they, that joke they say about, oh, you're having surgery tomorrow or whatever, having a procedure. Oh, it's a minor procedure, but right. it's not minor when it's you, right? <laughs> yeah. When you're sitting there and that, yeah. you get that right. gown flapping open yeah. in yeah. the back <laughs> and you're contemplating your life and you're like, how do I get in here? And the yeah. fluorescent lights flickering <laughs> and smells like, you know, chemicals and mm-hmm. stuff. And you're like, I'm about to get, I'm going to die. I'm not going to wake up. Right. And, and I don't care who you are. If you're going under anesthesia, you make your peace with God yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Right? You know yeah. what I'm yeah. so I, I want to make sure, sure you got your affairs in order. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but anyway, the severity of the situation hits people, and they don't know what to ask all the time. And so the doctors are busy. They have to move on. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, and that's why these organizations that have come along, it's not just us, great charities and, and NGOs that have come along and said, okay, we want to be a support network. People want to start connecting you together. Because mm. wherever you are, this is, this is a sobering thought. You're sitting in that, that chair right there. There's yeah. probably somebody else in that moment. I, I'd have to do the math. But there's probably somebody else within that 60 seconds or so that's having the same conversation, mm-hmm. even to them. How cool is that, though, to think right. that, you know, just when you got enlisted into that army, so to speak, mm-hmm. is there's somebody else in the same situation as you? Mm-hmm. And so what we try to do is we try to be there immediately to start saying, hey, we're here. We're no, None of you should go through that alone. So we have um, what's called patient navigation that we pay for. Um, we have navigators that are trained. Usually they're nurses. And their job is to help walk like a case study, a caseworker. Mm-hmm. They, they, they take a woman and they say, all right, hey, I know your head's swimming right now. Let's get – I want to talk to you about this, help you understand it. You know, give me a call later on tonight or whatever, or I'll call you in the morning, and we'll start to figure this out. Don't worry. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And then and, – because you got financial concerns. Yeah. you got mm-hmm. uh, work mm-hmm. things, insurance stuff. Um, you know, obviously just the emotional – toll, Mm -hmm. but also being directed to resources, Um, good, helpful information, not like too much medical ease, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. where you can just overwhelm people with with things. But some people want that. Mm -hmm. So Navigator is really there to help guide women through that that immediate shocking, just we used to have a program called Beyond the Shock Mm -hmm. that told you everything you need to know about breast cancer within an hour and 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And it's because you're in shock and you need Mm -hmm. to get past that. So navigators are a big part of what we do. And then support services. And this is really even taken a higher level of concern in the last few, last few year and a half because of COVID because people are at home and they're disconnected. Imagine being told you had cancer Mm -hmm. on April 1st or something, April 3rd, Mm -hmm. you know, of 2020. And now you're not allowed to go into the hospital and do right. the, bare, the bare minimum emergency surgeries, um, you know, procedures. Everything was put on hold, and you had people that that died because they could not get the same level oh. of treatment and could not get the same level of um, engagement Man, during that window. Of time. That's one thing that I haven't even accounted for right like you think about yeah. the impact that the pandemic made but those people that were just diagnosed and like you said 50 50 000 people a year yeah. pass from from breast cancer yeah. Two hundred fifty thousand are diagnosed every year mm-hmm. yeah. i mean like you said in that month of april i mean that was twenty thousand yeah. women yeah. were told that yeah. hey Y'all have, you have, yeah. or worse, not told or not told. Yeah. That's you know exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So it's the long yeah. tail effect of what we're really worried about right now. Mm. And we worked so hard as a society. I have, I have Susan G. Komen to thank for that. American Cancer Society. Mm. Thank for that. Um, you know, and, and then us. And since the nineties, uh, really, especially if you look at the mortality rate, I don't have the numbers in my head, but when you look at the, there has been a reduction in the mortality rate because of early detection messaging mm-hmm. and getting women to normalizing mm-hmm. the the process of mammograms and breast mm-hmm. self exams and annual doctor visits, and so that was 
that is absolutely essential in beating cancer is getting ahead of it. But we didn't know that back then, and people didn't know that. It takes a long time to absorb something as standard practice in a, mm. in a society. Mm. Right. It's sped up now because <laughs> yeah. yeah. of the, the internet and you know, social yeah. media. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how fast people are like, oh, that's what oh, we're wait. supposed to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you but. mentioned Susan B. Coleman and American Cancer Society. How are you guys working hand-in-hand hand yeah. with those other charities that are out there? Well, uh, first of all, you know, we like to say that that, that expression, rising tides raise all boats. Right. So this particular problem is so significant that no one organization can yeah. fund it, right. uh, treat it, you know, whatever. Can, no one can solve the problem by themselves. So we all kind of have, even though we're different organizations entirely, we're different corporations. We're a 501c3 corporation you know, a nonprofit, um, but we all have different uh, approaches and different missions, if you will. And so our mission in particular is about helping women now, mm -hmm. like right now with, you know, the sports surgery we talked about, mammography, screening. Um, other organizations may be more research focused. Right. And, uh, and God bless them because we need everyone, like there could be 10 more NBCFs, yeah. and we still wouldn't have the problem solved, but it, we're iteratively making progress. So we find ourselves in these um, collaborations, like we did one with uh, the Bush Foundation, mm -hmm. um, President Bush uh, Library here, yeah. you know, in Dallas, which is awesome. Um, we worked with them, and they call it. It's an initiative called the Pink Ribbon Red Ribbon Initiative. So we found ourselves working with with uh, Komen and. National Cancer Institute and some some farm pharmaceutical companies and um, really trying to figure out how to um, solve a lot of the cancer uh, female cancer related problems in sub-Saharan Africa. Mm. So mm. it's a real problem there. That's where AIDS had taken off, um, and I, I could get off into a whole another thing on that. But there's so much. There's such an interesting correlation between. Um, you know, uh, undeveloped countries or mm. we, you know, call it like third world countries, uh, countries that are just kind of barely held together government wise. Right. And, and then even uh, areas in ours, like, like urban areas where there's underfunding, overcrowding, lack of access, mm. you know, things like that. There's a lot to learn from best practices. You know, even like one, one really cool thing that they did. Uh, we were in, Zambia with President and Mrs. Bush on a tour and uh, at, at one of the facilities there and they were they were doing um, they use normally they would do if they're they were looking for uh, HPV um, they would mm. in a woman they would um, you know use complicated equipment to do that well they had a way of using a camera and then they would if to detect if the cancer cell was um, cancer or not or precancerous they would use a drop of vinegar. And so they could use a camera, hmm. and a, and they could do a dropper of vinegar on a lesion inside the uterus, you know, in the uterus, and they could tell if it was precancerous. And so wow. that's a solution that was like, what the heck? Right. You know, it's so easy. That's so right. right? Yeah. Like, you know, any... Basically we don't have to send the, take a biopsy, send it off to a lab, yeah. get it processed yeah. for a couple of weeks, and then yep. yeah. a million dollars of equipment right. that you can't maintain mm -hmm. an unstable electric grid. So that's an extreme example, but the point is that there are 
methodologies that that we can learn and so you start to need organizations that pull all this together mm. and and kind of advocate for that and so that's mm. what a lot of what mbcf does right. that's awesome uh, so somebody listened to this and, and you know they either were just diagnosed or they, they have a feeling that maybe this is what they have and, and they want to you know they want y'all's help at national mm. breast cancer foundation walk us through what that looks like so i we go to your website we give you a call Walk us through what, what, what are we going to experience from the, from the initial call? Well, the, the first thing we do is we, we, we never say no to helping people and just turn them. I mean, our, our team is not nearly as big as it needs to be, not nearly as funded as it needs to be, but they don't, we, we say don't say no. You know, don't, don't turn people away. Like, figure out how to direct them and help them. And so what we would do is we would direct them to a local, to their hospital, essentially. And we have a pretty good idea of hospitals that are um, supportive of, uh, you know, women who come in who are underfunded. Um, but we're just there to answer questions early on and direct them. And then um, if a woman finds herself in a situation like financially, she doesn't know mm-hmm. what to do. She's bound up. We cannot pay for everything we like to pay for because mm-hmm. right. it goes fast. Yeah. I mean, treatment can be a hundred thousand dollars. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. um, you think about that. Our organization is about a twenty million dollar organization annually. So we just we don't have the the ability to right. pay for all the things we want to. Mm-hmm. But what we do have is we have some navigators that we have access to that uh, they know tricks right. <laughs> and they know how to get to, they know how to get to money and they know how to help um, it, at the very least point people in the right direction. So I would just say that anybody listening to this, just same as I say to anyone, please reach out to us if you have need, if you're concerned, right. mm-hmm. understand that very likely we won't be able to pay for everything and wave mm-hmm. it away. However, we have knowledge and we can help people. Mm-hmm. So we just want to be, uh, a bridge and right. even in our headquarters we have um a picture or mural and it's a bridge and it shows our various support services and that's a reminder to us that that's our job you know you take a person that didn't know anything about cancer mm-hmm. right like right. I, I don't there are a lot of things i don't know anything about I don't know nickel coverage you know right. like like <laughs> might have a general i've heard of it but i have right. no idea um I'd get blasted, you know, <laughs> come around the corner there by fullback, like Tyler. Um, but anyway, so when we're in that situation, we we are um, a lot. You know, I, I was really enjoying that metaphor, and I lost my train of thought. Yeah, I know I got Just wrapped up in the nickel I, defense I, here. I, 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 I get it. I get it. But I'm excited about football. So, so one of the things that that I love that 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 y'all do is y'all have a pink box. That yeah, let's, the hope let, kids. let's yeah, let's talk about the hope kits, um, and and what that is, and, and on two levels, one <clears throat> is a patient's receiving them, right, yeah. and 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 what it does, and why why you guys created the hope kits, yeah. but then two on the other side of it, so if if anybody out there has a small, medium, large company, doesn't matter how you can partner and some really cool things that come out of partnering with NBCF, wherever you are mm-hmm. in the country. And then talk about what the opportunity is there and some of the things, some of the examples you've done, you know, with, with some NFL guys yeah. and some things. It's, that's a really cool story. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. Um, Hope Kits. Uh, that's what the name we gave these boxes. So just the backstory in this is so cool. 
we used to get, you know, we get what's called gift in kind. If you're mm-hmm. a nonprofit and you give something like, say, you donate furniture mm-hmm. or right. whatever, mm-hmm. um, Salvation Army clothes, that's called gift in kind. You didn't give cash. You gave gift in kind. It's received as a form of revenue by the by the nonprofit. Well, we would have random stuff given to us that just seemed like something you would give a breast cancer charity. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, like an example would be, because it's women, so it'd be like, Oh, here's some socks, some soft socks. Yeah. So I remember we got some of these, and we just were like, "Well, we're not throwing them away. <laughs> yeah. What do we do? <laughs> you know, we're we're not gonna like. There's only so many pair I can put on, right? <laughs> but like the pink sock. But but we would have where you know, like not a warehouse. We'd have a couple rooms with yeah. stuff, and it's like random things. And we started like, how do we like start? We to put this together and give it to people. So it was very organic in that regard, and we thought, you know, this would be really cool if we started to get things that were really more intentional for, for breast cancer patients, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it st- sort of morphed into now we're asking for certain things from people. And then we figured out how to put together a box that was about the ideal amount of stuff mm-hmm. and what would be beneficial to a breast cancer patient. Mm-hmm. Uh, including like a personal note, you know, hey, we're praying for you, whatever, written by a volunteer. And uh, and so we did we did a few of these and started giving away, and they were just so well-received. Mm. I mean, people were so touched. We almost kind of thought, I don't know, I think at first you think they're going to be like, oh, okay, that, thank you, that's nice. Huh? Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh, this is amazing. You know, mm. they're just blown away by it. And we're, and we're going, what? Like, wow, this is really something special here. Like, mm-hmm. we need to do more of this. So it just evolved, right? Mm-hmm. And so it became, then you kind of find yourself facing logistics challenges. And we're not, you know, we're not Amazon. Right. So we're trying to figure out how to <laughs> pick, pack, right. and ship and all that, right? And you right. start learning about merch and, and everything and uh, shipping. And um, so long story short on that, we got to, a place where it really started to make sense to bring volunteers in to pack them. We were getting them funded. They're about $50 a piece. Mm-hmm. And, and so the standard one now, so awesome. It has like lip balm. Mm-hmm. So you think about if you're going through chemo, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And your right. lips yeah. are chapped, yeah. you know, warm, soft socks, you know, so when you're sitting there and your feet get cold and you're in the chair mm-hmm. and uh, tea, you know, special right. herbal tea to settle your stomach down, a journal, that also has like a lot of great information in it, uh, a personal note from someone mm-hmm. that just says, mm-hmm. "Hey, you're not alone," you know that kind of thing, right. and several other things—a tumbler, you know, to drink water and all that—and mm-hmm. so it's really intentional and really specific. And and we we have this box, and we have a name of a person, we send it to them, and they probably don't know it's coming because it's probably a friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally speaking, it's a friend who, or family member who found Submits out about their it, right. submitted yeah. their name. Uh-huh. Is that this thing shows up? Maybe they a week or two weeks before, you know, they were diagnosed. Maybe they're having a really hard day, and then someone, you know, out of the clear blue, this nice box yeah. of stuff with a personal note and all that comes in and says, "Hey, you're not alone." Oh, you know, yeah. Wichita, Kansas, whatever, yeah. out in the boondocks, right in the rural area. And you get this box delivered, and it's someone that cares about you, and no yeah, strings attached. Yeah. So that has blown up. And so much so that we have a waiting list, which we are always fighting this waiting list. It's so frustrating. I mean, it's been – I don't know what it is. I probably should have looked this up before I came here today. Mm-hmm. But it's been hovering around two or 3,000 
names, and we try to rotate that out. So it may end up being a couple months before someone, even if their name gets on a list before it clears out, which is, to me, unacceptable. Mm. So, you know, really um, the beauty of the, the Hope Kit thing, though, above the impact that it has is that it, it's finally something that kind of, like, brings volunteers yeah. together because yeah. yeah. it's hard to do with breast cancer. Yeah. Like Habitat for Humanity. Mm. Yeah. They can go build a house Yeah, together, it's on a right? Saturday. Yeah, I was, was going to ask yeah. how, how yeah. people – you know, with their time get involved. I mean, obviously money is a, a thing yeah. that we can donate, but right. how, how people donate their time, yeah. which is what you're speaking about. Yeah. Yeah. So a company that wants to uh, support NBCF and they say, hey, we want to both support you, but also we want to have uh, a volunteer opportunity. And, mm-hmm. and in the past, we'd be like, oh, we can't really have you go to the hospital. We just, we sort of had to be like, we don't know. We can do a fair and support that, you know, like a, health fair with you in the cafeteria, <laughs> but there's like only so much we could do. Yeah. So now we're like, Oh, okay. Well, I tell you what, we'll do a hope kit packing party. Mm-hmm. You know, again, they're like 50 bucks a piece. So either, you know, you're getting it funded somehow. Sometimes we have general funds, but they they go quick. Right? Mm-hmm. right. So generally speaking, the way that we've had the most success is if a company comes in and says, we'll, we'll do like $10,000 worth. So, you know, like a couple hundred, Hits or we'll do, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, fifty thousand. And there's some cool creative ways. And one of the things, you know, we as a company, our, our real estate company, we're we're scheduled to come in here what next yeah. week, next week, so or the week after. About it, yeah. And you know, some of the things that that y'all have shared with us that you've seen is you get okay, hey, look, you get one company, company A and company B that know each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you make it a competition, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Who can who can raise who can raise the most? So yeah. it's it's the same thing. It's like it's like you know candy sales in, in elementary school, oh, right? Yeah. Hey, mm-hmm. you go out and okay, yeah. how much so can what, you raise? You're, saying and, you're competitive? Yeah, no, not at <laughs> not all. Really. Not at all. Well, there's another <laughs> layer. There's, there's another okay, layer. I'm surprised to hear that. So there's another layer. So then, so okay, who can raise the most? Okay, now you come yeah. in and okay, company A, company B, right? You win that. Now you literally line up across from each other. Who can pack? And who can most. pack them faster? <laughs> oh heck yeah. You know, yeah. and so like yeah. we've done, you know, we've done stuff in the past where it's like, okay, hey, we've got to pack bags because we're handing out food, you know, yeah. so like that, and um, here in you know North Texas Food Bank, and we've yeah. done that, and uh, and so it's it's just a really cool culture thing for companies. So if you're sure. you know a small medium sized company, and you, you know you got 50, 60 employees, I mean that goes a long way. Right. Everybody raises brings fifty dollars to the table, or goes and raises a hundred dollars, right. or whatever it may be, and then you bring them together, and then yeah. you have this event, right? And, and and you make it a celebration. And one of the coolest things about it is y'all help coordinate the whole thing. So whether you're in Southern California, whether you're in Seattle, Washington, you're in Washington, DC, mm-hmm. you're Miami or Dallas, doesn't matter. Y'all help coordinate this whole process yeah. and make it easy for these companies to do so that as a company, you can go serve and you can do something yeah. really, really impactful. So, I mean, I, I yeah. love that. And that yeah, the whole so kits is, it's, it's an awesome deal and yeah. makes yeah. it makes a fun out of it. For yeah. sure. You Absolutely. mentioned being a navigator. You said that there's navigators. How does that, how do you come about being a navigator? Is that just through volunteering or is that, or are you in the medical system? Right. So navigators now we've shifted to, we used to just call them patient navigators, mm-hmm. um, but really, and so they were a combination of usually they're nurses, mm-hmm. uh, nurse navigators who specialize in this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you could have patient navigation training. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the godfather of, that's not even his nickname, but this guy is amazing. Dr. Harold Freeman um, in Harlem was the one who came up with it. And I uh, love this guy. And he just, 
basically created a system for of what patient navigation was. And the reason was because back when he was originally working through all this, I guess in the 70s and 80s, uh, he was finding people weren't coming back to their appointments. Mm-hmm. And he's like, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. And so they, they started figuring out, like, oh, if we can go to them and kind of create this personal connection with uh, patients, then it will significantly improve the chances of them not falling through the cracks. Right. Mm-hmm. And therefore, their, their mm-hmm. uh, chances of survival are much greater. Mm-hmm. So Harold Freeman really pushed this and advocated patient navigation along, and it didn't require nurse navigators. It didn't require to be a nurse. Um, they formalized the program. So we've taken elements of that, and we've actually sent people, we get them trained there and stuff with, at his – he still has an a institute for that. But um, what we're kind of shifting to a little bit is what we call community ambassadors, mm-hmm. which is like a light – it's like a light training – um, relatively speaking, we're not talking about like a, a degree of yeah. anything. Yeah. It's, it's light, light training, you know, on our behalf. And we're teaching people how to do a lot of, uh, the non heavy lifting, but very important covering a lot of ground mm-hmm. type of work. So that's like directing people to resources, being a point of contact, maybe even to like sort of catch people. If they hear about people, maybe you get someone who is at a big church, mm-hmm. you know, in a city, and they hear about someone, they're like, oh, you need to talk to so-and-so. And right. they know how that person is volunteer. Mm-hmm. They know how to get to us or the hospital mm-hmm. and get them mapped in and give them information and that kind of thing. Yep. And they may be like a point of contact for like local area fundraising or whatever. Right. So mm-hmm. the community ambassador program, we're really excited. We feel like that's a lot of the future. And nurse navigating uh, we will continue to be pushing and advocating for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's really just like trying to adapt to and find the right mm-hmm. things at work and how you can have the maximum impact with your resources. Right. Yeah, I just think, you know, you're recently diagnosed with breast cancer. And without this, right, it's like, okay, I'm calling the girls at the front desk of my, yeah. of uh, you know, of my uh, doctor. And so it's like, they're great. But they've only got limited capacity to talk to because they've got paperwork. They've got to, you know, file uh, paperwork. They've got, I mean, they've got all sorts of yeah. stuff to do and they just don't have the time. Now, if you've got someone yeah. that is like, hey, no, listen, like, here's where you need to go. Because that front desk girl or receptionist or, or you know, even nurse, it's like, I'm, I'm in the middle of stuff. Like, yeah. if I can get to you, I will. And that's the only resource. And if anybody's called a doctor's office, how frustrating it is trying to get through yeah. and get things. Then this yep. is huge. Now you've got an advocate for you that can help help you figure out, okay, what path do I need to take? They know your name. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's really, it, it's like cheers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But they, they know you. They, they, they're, they call you up and they're like, Lisa, why did you miss your appointment? Mm, know how mm. important that is yeah. like to know it's accountability right yeah, we all need absolutely. accountability yeah to yeah. be known by somebody that cares that you're going to live or die mm-hmm. and it's not to fault the medical community for they they have a bunch of manila envelopes stacked up on their desks and that those quit to they quit being people when they get over a foot high right, you know because yeah. mm-hmm. you, you can't now it's just handling volume. That. Yep. So yeah. you you need to build a mechanism in what, and that's what we started realizing. I would say the paradigm shift occurred, you know, more than ten years ago, about 10, 15 years ago, where we started realizing as a community, 
know, the medical community started realizing the efficacy. That's a big word that we use, effectiveness, essentially efficacy of patient navigation and of doing this. It wasn't just to make people feel good. It has a direct correlation to the mortality rate. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the good news is we're trending in a way where, where it's more personalized it's more emotionally supportive mm-hmm. and everything, and it's also better and sure. more effective, mm-hmm. which is cool because if it was the opposite of that, it might work against itself a little bit. Right. But, right. Yeah. So speaking know. of that, what, what does the future look like? Where are you guys headed? What's the overall goal going forward? Hey, guys, I want to take another quick break and thank our partner, Sleep Number. Um, that's right. The official sleep partner of the Dallas Cowboys is now the official sleep partner of the Darren Woodson show. Not sure if you guys knew this, but consistent sleep actually strengthens your immune system and a lack of sleep can literally make you sick and unable to meet the challenges of the day. I've got two young kids. I know exactly what it feels like to be running on little to no sleep. It's not fun. Your body gets worn down and there's a lot of things that you can do, which we're going to talk about coming up on these wellness Wednesdays. I teased last time, a lot of things that you can do to improve your sleep quality, uh, a couple things: having a consistent wake up and and uh, wake wake up and go to bedtime. Um, not staying up late, catching up on work emails, reducing your blue light, all that good stuff. But once you're actually in bed, it is imperative that you have a great mattress uh, that's actually customized to you. And that's what Sleep Number has done with their new Sleep Number 360 smart beds. The experience uh, walking into a Sleep Number store. They treat you just like family. They treat you like royalty, like a VIP. Get you a customized mattress, and it's totally designed. Everything they do is totally designed to improve your sleep quality because they understand better sleep equals better performance the next day. So unbelievably blessed and and happy with our partnership with Sleep Number. Super excited for what we have coming down the line for you guys as a way of content. Uh, to hopefully help you give you better tips for you guys uh, for overall wellness, not not just sleep wellness. But um, super grateful and uh, thankful for Sleep Number. And uh, go get yourself involved at sleepnumber.com. Now back to the episode. You know, it's like I was talking a little while ago about the long tail effect. And if you guys know what long tail effect is, you know, it's just basically essentially the length of time it takes for something to phase out, mm-hmm. you know, uh, from a peak. And... We are concerned about this uh, women getting out of rhythm Mm -hmm. of their early detection plan. Mm -hmm. And it took so long to get people into the habit of going to annual checkups and uh, getting their annual mammograms. And it's really easy when you get out of a habit. Because it's not fun, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if if your your habit was go to Six Flags every year, you know, or whatever. Well, right. actually, the older I get, the less fun I was going to say, that doesn't sound you like fun at all. Like, right. Yeah, August. Do you remember? Right. Oh, August? man. Hot. Everyone, hot. Yeah. about 4 o'clock, oh. how bad everyone smelled. Oh, right. man. But, and you but, get the couple, and they're they're like overly affectionate right in front of you. Oh, in line, and it's just awkward. So oh. it is a lot like Six Flags. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of like waiting in the doctor's office, I guess. <laughs> That's so, hilarious. Yeah. yeah. So, so at what age should women start getting these yearly annual mammograms? Mammograms. Yeah, it depends. We, it, it, as a benchmark, forty is what okay. we say, and it may be five years before if you have family history, okay. so thirty-five potentially. Okay. Um, there is some discussion about that. You know, again, talking about women. You, 
there's some confusion about that because there was there was a very controversial and I don't even like giving airtime to it, but I want to explain this. About uh, maybe ten years ago, there was this very controversial finding by a government um, task force that said essentially there's no point statistically in women under 50 getting mammograms mm. and over 70 because you're going to mm. die anyway was their mm. philosophy wow so it was it's really cold i don't oh, and, and so. it was not well received by no. the, the community at large but it was a precursor to i would say trying to really like limit funding mm. um government fund like to limit government funding to preventative services and so we pushed back against that and said, no, you know, there's too many women under 50 who mm. mammograms help. The, the only real thing that they said that seemed to, I guess the logic behind it was that uh, you, if you're over 70, you're, you're going to die anyway is something. If you're under 50, it's probably just a false positive. Right. And the impact the psychological impact on you is not worth going through it mm. and but the counter to that that we always had was if i thought that i had something yeah. i'd rather know no, exactly. 100%. yes yeah. right yes. isn't that logical? yeah that's logical are we too fragile yeah, yeah. Right. I, as i mentioned darren and i went through this test it was what two weeks and not even two weeks ago yeah and and the doctor literally texted me yesterday. He's like, hey, I know it's probably been on your mind. I just want you to know, yeah. hey, here's the results. Mm-hmm. Everything's clear. You're good. And literally, and I'm like, man, I, I just realized I probably thought about this in the last two weeks mm-hmm. probably a dozen times. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, healthy. I'm yeah. 36 years old. Like, I, I wouldn't think that I would have something, right? But the second, I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'd rather know. Yeah. I would much rather know. Yeah. And so and they got options. Yes, yeah. it, that's exactly right. And that's and that's the preventative care aspect, right? Yeah. Our our healthcare mm-hmm. system right. is reactive, not proactive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If we can shift the focus to being a proactive, uh, a proactive approach, then think about how many lives could Absolutely. be saved. Yeah. Think about how much less money we would spend on healthcare. Absolutely. Because what is the treatment cost? Of like you said, what was the what was the the surgery before you need to get chemo when you catch Lumpectomy. it? Or, a, 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 a what? Lump, lump, ectomy, right? The cost of that versus a whole mastectomy yeah. and chemo and hospital stays right. and all the things associated with yeah. it, right? Yeah. The actual spend is reduced if we're actually proactive Absolutely. about yeah. it. Absolutely, you're exactly right. No. So we mm-hmm. we definitely feel that it's imperative to continue that message. Mm-hmm. And so going back mm-hmm. to the long tail thing, the concern that we have is with COVID that women were taken out of their routine. They dropped off. And then you compound being scared of going to the mm-hmm. hospital. Right. And you also, we're all like, oh, well, little old me, I don't want to be a burden. I know that they're overworked and they're, they're beat up right now and I'm just going to stay away. And so, uh, and, and we had to do that, though. I mean, you know, society, yeah. there was no good option there in, in April, May, June, you know, of, of 2020. But there is an, there's an impact, there is an effect of all these women getting out of sync. And we are seeing numbers already uh, that concern us about it and sort of proving it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I would say really that kind of leads to what our 
campaign awareness campaign this October is Breast Cancer Awareness Awareness Month is October. You probably know because you just see pink everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah. Did you were you, were you around when they were? Did they the allow pink? it when you played? No, they didn't. Like it right wasn't. It wasn't. I think it was actually. I think it was my last couple of years. Yeah. It came in. Then it really. And it was pretty much looked. just towels and gloves at that yeah. point, right? Yeah. 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 Now it's now you're socks seeing it on TV, and, yeah, socks sleeves, the whole nine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I think they kind of yeah. like well, they pulled back and they, they made it like back, where yeah. anyone could do anything. Mm. Uh, maybe a year or two ago. Yeah. I'll say. Mm. Well, I, I kind of yeah. I, we always liked that. We felt like maybe, maybe you should make it like a week or two, but we were concerned about pink overload. You know, like yeah. everyone's gonna hate us, but yeah. that was—I uh, think that was American Cancer Society, yeah, if yeah, I uh, yeah. recall correctly. But um, anyway, yeah. So the we we are really advocating going into this Breast Cancer Awareness Month, right. um, a, a word we always like a good acronym or whatever. Rise, um, which is rally in screening everyone, or mm. uh, rally in supporting everyone. Mm. Uh, and there's a third one I can't remember. So yeah. sorry, marketing team. <laughs> but anyway, the one I wanted to talk yeah. about was they yeah. hand you all that stuff and they're like, look at this. And to them, they worked on it for months. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then, but you, you got to memorize it in a <laughs> second. And then you're like, oh, dang it, I'm going to spell it. Yeah, wrong. we're not going to bail you out, Kim. That's Shoot your problem, up. brother. Yeah. Uh, Don't look for us to bail you out. We're actually getting texts right now from the marketing team. <laughs> it's not even rise, it's actually ride. Uh, oh, right. <laughs> Different word. <laughs> Rallying and denying everyone. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> so where where can people find you guys? How can they get involved? They can go, I mean, anywhere where you see, you know, NBCF. So we have mm-hmm. on Facebook, Instagram, you know, hashtag NBCF. Uh, but we will be using this hashtag rise in BCAM. So mm-hmm. Breast Cancer yeah. Awareness Month. Yeah. Um, and and really that the entire point of what we're trying to do is to to an awareness campaign, a yeah. grassroots awareness campaign. Mm-hmm. Get back on track. Mm-hmm. Get a hold of your doctor. Get a hold of your the place that you normally go and get on a schedule again. That's right. that's it. Mm-hmm. That will save lives. Yes. I'm, I'm so passionate about this because, you know, my wife is, I'm not going to say how old she is, but she's over the minimum screening age. She's older than 29, but um, <laughs> beautiful. But uh, <laughs> Throw that in there. Yeah. yeah. yeah don't forget that. I don't, I, that's not a patronizing. I think I'm in trouble. So <laughs> I've gotten in trouble with the marketing team and my wife in the last minute and a half. I need to wrap up now. Uh, uh, anyway, m- my wife, you know, uh, she has some, there's some markers in there. There's some things I should say that change her risk profile mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, I'm around it all the time. You get a little, like, uh, traumatized because we have people that, you know that pass from from cancer, you know, and hear about these stories all the time. I talk to people, and then six months later, they're dead, right. and it's horrible. And uh, um, so, I mean, it makes you a little more vigilant about your own family. And yeah. needless to say, right. so I, I myself, and I watch this stuff, and I go, "Wow, you know, like, are you back on track? And mm-hmm. who are you going to go see? And what's kind of going on? Are your friends talking about it at all?" Right. And uh, you know, it, it's just something that uh, is so simple, but it is potentially the thing that can alter your life and at the very least maybe keep you from needing to have a more severe form of treatment. Mm-hmm. And at the at the most, it could save your life. And, um, you know, and so that's, guys, a lot of times, you know, it's first of all, maybe it's strange for some people to have a man you know, as president of National Breast Cancer Foundation, it's a women's disease. But what I always tell people is that it's not a women's disease. This is all of us. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. if your wife got breast cancer, yep. 
you don't think you'd be going yeah, through that? Yeah, right. You're affected yeah. as well. Man, yes. you're in there yeah. Googling everything. Yeah. You're at doctor's appointments. So when one person gets it, their whole tribe gets it. Mm. Yeah. And they're all dealing with it. And uh, it does not matter that it's – so for men, we want to fix things. We want to help stuff, right? right. Like mm-hmm. we want to feel like we did something. And there are wonderful ways that men can support. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, going back to the Hope Kits – fundraising, right. directing people to NBCF, right. even if all it is is, hey, I, I know these guys at NBCF, you need to give them a call. I have a mm-hmm. lot of guys who will text me and say, my wife's friend needs some help, mm-hmm. and I'm like, thank you for letting me know. I'm going right. to tell yeah. the team, we'll get it, we'll get it going. Um, so, you know, we as men, we have a burden and uh, an opportunity to significantly – fight this disease by right. supporting yeah. our, mm. our women. I mean, that's right. That's right. That's right. So as far as NBCF, if I wanted to donate or volunteer, how, what's the easiest way to contact you? If I wanted to get in, in any mm-hmm. way and be supportive, because listen, it's, it's about raising awareness, but in order to raise awareness and yeah. provide resources, you need capital to do yeah. so. So yep. what's the easiest way we can go through that? Yeah. Thanks for saying that. Uh, you know, obviously money, Everybody wants money, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, it, it matters. It really mm-hmm. matters. The cash I was talking about is what drives everything along. It's literally paying for services that a woman needs to survive in many cases. So uh, just go to our if, – if you are hearing this and you're interested in helping, supporting, I would say there's two, there's two things that I would think about if I were you. And one is what can you personally do to support – what do you personally – move to support Mm. there's different we we prefer unrestricted gifts which is a nonprofit term you know about it Mm -hmm. because you work with nonprofits both you guys um but if you are very passionate about the hope kit program Mm. or you're very passionate about mammography or you're passionate about um you know support services you can designate those things Mm -hmm. Um, but just talk to us you know and say like what do you want to do with your gift um the second thing is it's really important that you think about your resources that you have. You work at a company. So an example may be like you're, say you're a 25-year-old guy and you're working for you know, some fairly large company. You'd be surprised how many matching programs that companies have yeah. mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how much companies will do. Mm-hmm. They're waiting for, they're not going to tell everyone all the time necessarily, but there's a lot you can do to reach out to your HR team or whoever it may be and get your company involved, and even, like, creating a door open for us. If you hear about, you know, cause marketing is a term that we use for the pink ribbon. You put it on packaging and whatever, and, you know, some proceeds go to NBCF. That's a big way that we raise money, the the largest way we raise money, in fact. And uh, that often comes from just someone just Googling breast cancer charity. Right. And they, and they're like, their company wants to do something to help out. They heard about it, or maybe they're in charge of it and they just start just searching. So, you know, look us up. We've been doing that for a long time and we absolutely love working with companies because it's like a a hub. Mm -hmm. You can work with, you have a a centralized communication. You can get all the different departments involved. Mm -hmm. You do really cool fundraisers, really cool volunteer opportunities. So those are the two things, personal. Okay. And then just, you know, it's uh, reach out to NBCF.org, go to our Facebook, mm-hmm. you know, wherever the links are. You know, how that, The website will direct wherever they need to oh, go. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah okay. we make it really easy to, to donate or find more information out. Great. 
Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Website. We say it all the time, man. Service, it all leads back to service of people and just loving people. And that's what we want to use this platform yeah. for is just bringing awareness to people that are that are doing good. And we appreciate you and yeah. appreciate organizations yeah, like Thank yours. You, the leadership that you provide and show, and man, it's, it's awesome. So we sure appreciate yeah, your time. And, and I'll say yeah, this. I, I couldn't be more honored to, to have National Breast Cancer Foundation as our first charity of the month, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. This, we're launching this new, this new program within the podcast and, and seeing inside you. your organization and, and the way that you truly serve your people. Yeah. Um, I mean, the culture that you guys have within, like truly top to bottom within the organization everybody's there to serve. And yeah, honestly, I, I don't know that there could be a better company that we have on for the first time. So thanks for sharing. Man, that's great. You, got, you guys got me fired up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm pretty excited. We, we, uh, uh, this is the big month. This is it's like just, our Super Bowl month yep. coming mm-hmm. up, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we are finalizing all these awesome campaigns. The team is working incredibly hard, but, um, it's really nice to have, uh, you know, some, some sort of like the smash in the bottle on the, the yeah. champagne bottle. On the, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, it's nice to have some of those. I feel like this is definitely a kickoff. Yeah. It's been yeah. great to talk about That's today. Right. got me fired up yeah. about uh, this upcoming October. Yeah. And it's like one of the transformers is like transforming right now. Behind yeah. yeah. Ready to go to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Optimus Prime back the wall. Yeah. So go get yourself involved. Uh, National Breast Cancer yeah. Foundation. Go get yourself screened. Yes. Um, yeah. And mm. then make sure, you know, October Awareness Month. So, yeah. Appreciate yeah. you guys. Thank you guys for giving a platform for nonprofits. To, yeah. It's really, you, you always leave with your heart. I appreciate right. you guys so much for it. It's Absolutely. really important because, you know, frankly, a lot of this stuff is it's depressing. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes boring uh, until you're the one who's That's in That's right. It. Yeah. Exactly. And it's going to affect us all exactly. at some point in our lives. We yeah. will directly be a benefit. And all of a sudden, you, you're. You really want to know. Exactly. So it just it's really important to stay top of mind on this and uh it just takes people like you guys with y'all's platform who open yeah. it up to allow us to talk about yeah. it. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. And if again any listeners, if if you're going to go either to the website or if you need us to connect you, we're happy to connect yeah. you with the team. So yeah. just reach out. We're we're here to support any way that we can. But thank yeah. you. I know you're busy. Thank you. Thanks for taking some time, man. Good luck. Yeah, Good luck pleasure. this month. And I know you're gonna do big things. We'll see you over at the office here pretty soon. Yes, sir. Awesome. All right, looking Thanks, forward to it. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, guys.